Hello, and welcome to Kids Get Aquarium with the Internet, a Girl Meets World podcast. I'm Dan. I'm Nan. And I'm Amanda, and today we're discussing Season 2, Episode 26 of Girl Meets World, entitled Girl Meets STEM. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Visit audibletrial.com slash podcast for your free audiobook download. All right, so you'll notice no Keith and Caitlin again. Uh, unfortunately, they won't be able to make it uh, for personal reasons, but everything is okay, and they should be back soon. But I have these awesome two amazing women with me to fill in the places. Uh, Amanda, starting with you, why don't you reintroduce yourself? Sure. So, hey, guys, I'm Amanda. Um, I'm at GMWBuzz on Twitter. Um, I write Girl Meets World-themed BuzzFeed articles, um, and I'm happy to be back. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, I'm Nan. Uh, Twitter, I'm Nan from Florida. First of all, Amanda, she also co-hosted or guest hosted the Texas One podcast, mm-hmm. which was amazing. She forgot to mention that. <laughs> um, and I previously <laughs> guest host, podcast hosted the Texas Two, and then I did Girl Meets Belief a couple weeks ago. So I'm really excited to be back. Thanks for having me. Of course. All right, so we're going to get right into our general thoughts and our grading. I'll kick things off, and uh, I uh, I think I'm landing on a B-plus for this episode. I started off um, with the episode feeling a little bit nervous. Um, basically, as soon as they introduced the let the like project, I was like, this makes literally no sense, and apparently I should have had a little bit more faith in them that it was purposely making no sense, because once they actually had the twist happen... I was much more on board with the episode. I thought it was a sweet and strong message, despite a few iffy bits here and there, which I'll get into later. Uh, I thought the pacing was solid. I thought it was good use of Lucas and Zay, uh, and also some of the more side-supporting people like Corey, Topanga, Yogi, Darby, Sarah, all got nice little moments. Uh, It was probably my favorite Ava plotline. Still not perfect, but in the right direction. The only other thing I wanted to mention, I'm not a huge fan of the whole sacrificing Yogi thing, but there were some <laughs> solid moments of, of humor throughout the episode. So, uh, Amanda, what do you think? I'm pretty close to a B plus. I had to give it a B, mostly because like when I try and grade the episodes, I have to compare it to how I graded previous ones. Mm. So like I gave Texas One a B plus, and I love Texas One. I just the cleanest thing. I'll I'll never get over it. Yeah. But <laughs> so this one I had to give a B. <laughs> I, I had. I mostly graded it down because I had a few problems with Farkle in this episode, and I don't think it's necessarily, like, Corey's fault. I think it's just the nature of the character and how the writers view this character. Mm. Um, We can get into that a little later, but I definitely agree with you about the Ava stuff. I loved that plotline. I was probably the best Ava line plotline to date. Yeah. Love the lesson. I think Mm. that's basically it. Also, another reason I marked it didn't give it a B-plus or an A because of continuity, and when I say continuity, I mean the complete misplacement of Texas. Like, yeah. this would have been so much better before Texas, one of those where Lucas and Maya are being, like, cute friends who talk. Yeah. Preach. <laughs> so it's not necessarily, like, Farkle wearing a turtleneck out of place or, like, a plotline thing. It's just, I think it, before it's, or Texas, you know, ahead of all the other stuff would have made such a difference. Yeah, it would have made Texas even better if it had Exactly. Been, yeah. Well, it would have made Texas make a lot more sense, yeah, yeah, too, personally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I am going to give it a B. I also, I really enjoyed it. I loved it, you know, because, you know, I love them all. <laughs> um, well, there's a couple I don't love, but I love them all. I like them all, for sure. So I'm giving it a solid B. Um, I would give it a B plus for a couple of things. Um, I The good parts, I thought it was a very solid episode. There was really good humor. I loved the Farkle singing and dancing. It was very kind of Maya season one with the da-da-da-da-da-da. Mm. And then um, obviously I think it's a good lesson, you know, being a girl and all. I think that this is, you know, Amanda and I were talking, this should be like a really good standard episode. This mm. should be like the average yeah you know and then episodes like that bring out peak plot developments rise above that yeah i really liked the fact that they used a new set i noticed that the directors were Ryder and shiloh strong and so i should have known that immediately because they're kind of the kings of directing the abnormal set episodes mm. you know they did texas one and two they did creativity which utilized the art room mm. 
They did Squirrels Goes to Washington with a debate room. They also directed Rules. And this episode had a lot of kind of rules parallels for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and not just Maya's sort of ceremonial headdress. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, bringing out that Lord of the Fly references. So I, I thought the direction was very, very strong by them, as usual. I would have given it a B plus if they had kept the title Girl Meets Sludge. Mm. To be honest, um, I really don't like that they changed it to STEM because I think the point of the episode was about the murky way that we look at each other and things creep in and affect that we see each other as equals, not so much science, technology, engineering, math. You know, that wasn't necessarily the point of the episode. Yeah. It's and I really like Sludge a lot better, and yeah. that probably would have made it a B-plus for me. It's interesting how much, like, I don't know, trouble they seem to have on stay- sticking with the title. I don't know if it's a, a Disney thing or or whether they can't decide. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, STEM, I can understand maybe being... They go for these titles most of the time where it's like, if I was looking at the back of the DVD, I would be able to be like, I know exactly what episode this is. Because but, but, but Sludge, you know, like, they're basically yeah. all covered in dirt by the end of the episode. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I mean, I, I really, I think that was the point of the episode, was yeah. being oh, able to look through the sludge. Yeah. Um, and I, I find that every time they rename an episode, I always seem to prefer the first one. Mm-hmm. Oh, and the last thing that kind of drew me back a little bit was I feel like Maya kind of carried all of the comedic moments of the episode. Yeah. Um, and that... You know, Zay had a couple moments, Sparkle had a couple moments, but it was really Maya sort of doing the big laugh lines, and that's a lot for one character. Yeah. And I feel like it kind of took away from each individual moment that I would have enjoyed more if it was more of a, you know... Yeah, well, it's interesting you bring that up, because in previous episodes, I'm specifically thinking of uh, First Date here, Maya was the one that I kind of associated more with feminism, and instead, because of the nature of the episode, she was really not the big feminist of the episode, and she was more just, like, complaining and making jokes, uh, which felt a little odd to me. I mean, I still liked a lot of her humor, but it, it, it did feel like a slight change of uh, pace for that, um, but I don't know. No, I mean, totally, and I feel like... The message in general, one thing also that kept me from giving it a B plus other than the title would be, I feel like the message kind of got muddied, not to <laughs> pun, in, pun intended, <laughs> um, but you know, the pro-boy, anti-boy, they never really clarified to the extent maybe that they could have Yeah, yeah. that. So that's, that's my grade B. I think that sometimes I... Uh... I have such low expectations for things, and I was definitely nervous about this one, to be honest, that uh, when they pull it together in the end and have that solid ending moment with the slugs, which I thought really worked, it really it makes me want to give it a nice high grade. But I can definitely see where you guys are coming from there. All right, so we're not going to go scene by scene. Um, I'm hoping to do a mail time app at some point with Keith and Caitlin, which will include more stuff about this episode and going back to New Year's Eve a little bit. So we're not going to go scene by scene and, and, and go through every inch of the episode, but we're going to go with more the Nan model of doing it by theme or plotline. the Nan plan. <laughs> I apologize. That's much oh better. Oh my god, that was so much rhyming. <laughs> the Nan plan, Dan. Amanda. <laughs> Good times. All right, we're going to head into our first section called Girl Power. Alright, so to sort of start off this section, I just had a question, uh, and I was wondering what you guys thought about this. Did this episode at all feel a little bit too much like we were seeing Rowan as opposed to Riley? Do you think that the amount of, like, social, I'm, you know, I'm gonna be a feminist thing felt totally in character, or did it feel a little bit more like we're seeing Rowan to you? I personally thought, like, that's what I was afraid of going into it. Mm. It was not as bad as I anticipated in terms of the Riley-Rowan line. I think I was able to rationalize it because of some of, like, Topanga's characteristics yeah. as, like, a successful mm-hmm. lawyer, businesswoman, two jobs while she was pregnant and lo- whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and there was, like, what was it? It was in Friendship when she said something about a rally about whatever. I saw a lot of Topanga in her in this episode. Mm-hmm. And another thing that didn't bother me is, like, when Riley talks about – Riley. Oh, gosh. When <laughs> Rowan talks about feminism, it's – a lot more in detail and yeah. they're like essays and it's not just mm-hmm. like a quick little 
school scenario. It's like more in depth, more analytical. Yeah. So me personally, yeah. I was able to separate it, but I could see why people wouldn't. Well, and I think I, uh, you know, I'm going to agree, you know, girl power. So, um, <laughs> I think I also was a little worried and I do think that Rowan being, you know, she was named one of the feminists of 2015, which we should really celebrate and congratulate yeah. and be happy that she's providing that example for all of the young girls that follow her. You know, I think she really has made her mark in that way. It'd be easy to look at this episode and think, oh, that's Rowan. And I think yeah. that was, what was what, what it, Keith's predictions? That yes. she would, like, yes. Okay. Majorly, so majorly influence like, an episode. <laughs> yeah. I, I really think yeah. that she did sort of influence the creation of this episode. Mm. I do think that they probably created it for Rowan based on Rowan because of her interests. But in terms of the character of Riley, I don't think there was anything out of character about it. We've yeah. seen her really stand up for herself when it comes to something that she feels strongly about, mm. like her friends. And so in this case, it would be her gender. Yeah. So like in flaws, you know, she's yeah. like, it, she was the one who spearheaded writing things on your forehead. That's your big flaw. Yeah. And she she was the one who told Maya, we are we are going to go to Texas and find these random friends of Lucas <laughs> and, yeah. you know, have them record something. And she was the one in rules who was head of Riley Town. And yeah. we're going to fold our hands like so. And we're going to do this. You know, so it's not that she's ever sort of come across, except for maybe in Riley Town or times when she was being bullied, as a doormat kind of figure. Like, she's always been this really strong figure. And so that's why I think it doesn't necessarily seem that out of character for me. Yeah. So generally I agree with you guys. I, I think that it's a lot, a lot better than it could have been. And I think that they generally do make it feel like it's Riley. The only time I was like, maybe a little bit thrown was at just at the very beginning when just also the fact that she's knowledgeable specifically, like I, obviously she would be right. pro feminist or whatever, but the fact that she has that like little rant and includes a bunch of facts to Farkle and stuff like that. The fact that the, they <laughs> did have that scene with Topanga, though, where she talked to all of them, I was like, okay, like, I know Topanga's a feminist. I know she would have raised her daughter and taught her these things. Even though it, it's surprising a little bit to me that, that this is what Riley would be, it, it makes sense and I can logic it out. So, and it's, it's worth it for this episode and the messages, obviously, too. So, I, I just thought it would be an interesting to talk about, but it's not like a, an, an issue with the episode for me. Well, and I right, think I like, agree. the rant, like the rant that she did about all of the feminists of history, like first Eve took the apple and blah, blah, yeah. blah. And then Riley <laughs> didn't drop a marble. Yeah. Like uh, Farkle, she was speaking in that kind of high squeaky voice. Yeah. So if Farkle was sort of coming out of a state of unconsciousness. Mm. So you could kind of look at it in a way of, you know, is this Farkle is this his information or is this just like her randomly mm. knowing all of these facts? That's, point, yeah. it, that's why I, it didn't sort of seem, you know, uncomfortable for me, yeah, I guess yeah. in that way. That makes sense. All I right. think it was there for the joke purposes though. Yeah. Like yeah. I mm -hmm. thought it was really funny. I oh, I definitely agree. The way that was directed and whatnot. Like I thought that was so funny. Yeah. Definitely. That's it. one of those uh, writer mo directing moments that I feel oh, like yeah. shines through. Yeah. Yeah. So talking more about the Topanga uh, Bay window girl scene uh we get her little speech about how this is the age that most girls are you know moving away from science technology engineering math and i don't know is there anything you want to say about sort of the lessons talked about here or i do mm -hmm. um <laughs> i actually this is something i've sort of been paying a lot of attention to because i'm a licensed mental health counselor and i work with youth so a good majority of my clients are, you know, young adolescent girls. And um, I was in a sorority in college and there's sort of a girl meets world connection. But um, Dana Mc Danica McKellar, who portrayed um, Winnie Cooper on mm. The Wonder Years, yeah. mm -hmm. um, which is starring Fred Savage, who is Ben Savage, Corey's older brother <laughs> in real life. Um, she was a member of my sorority and I was looking one time in grad school, I was looking through my sorority magazines that we get every month. And she is like, she has a um, degree in mathematics and she helped create this theorem and she's published. And wow. basically she started this whole empire about 
reaching out to young middle school girls about mathematics because that's the age when they start to drift away because the perception is it's for geeks or it's for men or Mm. it's for this. So she literally has a website where people write in and she's written multiple best-selling books about teaching mathematics to young middle school girls. And so that's what this really reminded me of Mm. because I do think that that brought to she spoke to Congress about it, I think, in 2000. And that really brought to light a lot of the issues because I never even really considered it. I was really good in science and math and stuff, but that's not what I wanted my career in. But, you know, now Washington has a bunch of initiatives about getting girls interested in STEM careers. Yeah. I have my own issues with STEM in general, which we can come back to. Mm. But, um, I really, the Danica McKellar thing is what really came to mind and how she wants young girls to embrace mathematics. And I think it's really important because even just like on the Twitter for this podcast, I've had people write into us and be like uh, a high school girl who is really good at math and feels like embarrassed about it. And I'm like, that's awful that that's even Mm -hmm. a thing. Like, first of all, anyone that would make fun of you for that, you're going to be doing so much better than they are. (laughs) Like, if you're good at math. (laughs) Well, and it's so true because they say, you know, 60% of degree, bachelor's degrees are earned by women, but only 33% of people going into STEM STEM professions are women. And that's why Danica, Danica McKellar, you know, she helped produce this amazing math theorem. And she's like, I could probably go on and get my doctorate and all of this stuff. But she's like, I feel like I'm better served having been an actress in Hollywood showing young girls mm. that this is an option for you. Yeah. And it can be cool and it can be okay. Amanda, you have anything you want to add? Um, well, I learned something you'd say about Danica McKellar. <laughs> Danica McKellar, that was so interesting. Yeah. Everyone um, should go Netflix. I don't know if it's even on Netflix. It is. The, the Wonder Years. Wonder, the yeah. Wonder Years is so good. Yeah, it's great. I mean, yeah, just to add to that, it's not necessarily a STEM subject, but like I'm in the business world and there are a lot of, you know, not a lot of women in high power positions at major companies. And like a big person I'm a fan of is Sheryl Sandberg. She's the COO of Facebook and author of Lean In. Mm-hmm. And it talks about like the negative perception of women. I know Rowan has talked about this, how they make 70 cents. Was it 78 cents on the dollar? Someone mm. is going to have to fact check me on that. <laughs> but um, it's a problem in business too, in terms of like women getting equal rights and mm. having the guts to ask for a raise opposed to a man. And um yeah, that's basically yeah. it on that. Cool. Uh, so, yeah, I thought that that was a solid and important scene. Uh, but then we get into the, the classroom scene, and it becomes sort of like uh, the boys on one side, the girls on the other side, <laughs> and uh, Corey in between. Um, that was funny. <laughs> Corey was particular. I liked Corey in this scene, both with uh, thinking all the men were dead, and then... Uh, I felt really kind of bad for the boys. <laughs> Even mm-hmm. when Lucas was like, we don't deserve to be dead. You know, like, <laughs> it's true. It's not like they necessarily consciously knew that they were doing something wrong. Well, thing is, I don't think that what any of them did was per- was what they were doing was because they were sexist. That's my right. issue with this is because mm-hmm. if I look at Farkle, if Farkle was paired with Lucas, I bet he would do the same thing. Yep. Farkle's arrogant and thinks he's better than everybody. And so... I don't, well, and it's like, is. and that, well, I mean, but that, but, and so, like, that's a separate issue. I don't think that he did this because he's going, oh, Riley's a girl and therefore inferior. And so it does, and then obviously, like, Lucas and Z- and Zay are totally in the right, too, in my opinion, because obviously Maya didn't want to do anything. So, like, mm-hmm. he's not going to leave his grade in the hands of someone who doesn't want to do anything. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and I'll yeah. add on to that. So, this was my biggest issue with. Farkle. Mm. So I think the writers have almost made him out to be like almost like an enemy or like the opposite of what they're trying to teach. Mm. So I think back to like belief and he was the scientist who didn't believe in something. And now here he's like the obnoxious guy who Mm. wants to do all, you know, take the work away from someone else. And I think it would have worked a lot better if Riley was partnered with Lucas because Mm. Lucas with Maya, like if you're with Maya, she's notoriously known for not wanting to do homework, doing poorly in school. Yeah. And then on the opposite side, you have Farkle who's 
a certified genius. Yeah. And like when you're 14, it's like you let the smarter person do the assignment. Yeah. And like you well, want I, a good grade. So. Yeah. No, well, I totally agree. I just feel like if Riley was with Lucas, he would have been like, of course, Riley. Of course you can do well, it. You know, because so, like that's, that's, he's Lucas. That's the thing, like. <laughs> I didn't want it like that's the thing is they probably thought it would be this whole like shipping thing which is what's so annoying is like if it were Lucas and Riley character wise it would have made so much more sense because their intellect is at you know a closer level where if they're trying to teach that it's women who don't get the opportunities that the you know that the men get it would have made more sense with them too as a parent i'm torn so first of all i think that what you're saying is really interesting i hadn't really thought about that but i am torn because my first thought when i was watching this episode was oh it's kind of too bad they didn't make the men a little bit more actually bad and then and then have the men have to learn a lesson Mm -hmm. like i think that because honestly look a lot of guys have issues with this especially at this age and so like I think that if they had put her and lucas together and maybe like he doesn't have to be a terrible person but if he was a little bit sexist i think that could have been interesting on the flip side the reason i'm torn about that is because i think the ultimate lesson they wanted to teach here was that men shouldn't be seen of as the enemies and that you have to work together and so mm-hmm. i think that what they were going for here is that the guys actually didn't do anything wrong and that you shouldn't blame them that they're not necessarily that these specific guys aren't necessarily the issue you should work with them yeah. and so i am torn because i see what you're saying amanda but well, and I think the message, too, is the guys didn't necessarily consciously do anything wrong. There's a yeah. lot of, right. uh, I guess, micro... What's the, what's the term now that they use? Microaggression. Microaggression. There we go. You young people <laughs> with your collegiate knowledge. Um, the, you know, the sort of misogynistic undertones of just wanting to take over for the Mm. girl you know it's not necessarily a conscious thing so like even Farkle like when Riley was like if you're my friend you want Mm. me to get better like once she pointed that out to him he's like you're right I am the really loyal friend like I'm sorry like sometimes you just need to point that out because there are I guess the writers are trying to convey these sort of subconscious undertones of sexism I personally think he he has to stop and think about that because he always thinks me 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 I'm the best not because he's sexist uh, that's just right no I totally agree yeah. but, you know the other part of this not even that sorry just not even that he's the best but like he's literally the scientist yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. like they don't even say he's like the math like they say he's yeah. the scientist and now we're in science class yeah. and he does a little dance walking in and out of the room it's yeah. like I don't know. Yeah. Well, in totally. production order, this is after I Am Farkle, where it's established he's a genius. Yeah. So. Yeah. The other part of this that I do want to point out is that it just feels weird to me that this, of all the things that Farkle's done, that this is the episode where Riley feels disrespected and, you know, and is, like, taking offense and acting like he is treating them badly. Of all the things that he's done, especially in season one, it just feels a little silly to me. Uh, and I wish that maybe it had been a little bit more of a serious thing or a legitimate thing that he did that he actually had to learn something about. But Well, and his transition, just like in Belief, mm. was so fast. Yeah. He was like, oh, okay, you're right. Well- you know, well, it, yeah. there wasn't any conflict in terms of, wait, but I am better at science than you, mm. or I am, be- you know, it was yeah. sort of like, oh my gosh, you're right. I, I'm your friend and I want you to get yeah. better. So you're right and I'm wrong. I'm mm. sorry. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about Zay. So Zay uh, has some funny little moments throughout this episode. He uh, <laughs> tries to sit with the girls. Men, the men am I right? Am I, oh my gosh. I, I thought that was hilarious because I so probably funny. use that yeah. phrase all the time. Like, am I right? Yeah. So I have a fun personal story in connection with this joke. So in my, I guess it was my, my AP English class that I had in high school was very, it was a very strange class. I had the teacher never taught that class again. He was giving us very like Corey-ish lessons and for some reason in AP English we had a week of gender discussions and uh, which I actually really enjoyed but it was not preparing us for the AP test but uh, basically well, just like in science class, <laughs> yeah. you so what are you gonna do? so uh, we I remember we came in like the beginning of those things we were we were reading essays about gender or whatever and everybody sat down and all at the time like almost all of my friends were women and so I sat down, and then I looked, and I realized all the guys were on one side, and all the girls and me were on the other side. <laughs> and 
And then it became like this full on debate, and I legitimately just was on the girl's side the entire time. That's the place to be, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking so. of being on the girl's side, I think this is your first podcast where you're outnumbered. I think you are correct there. How yes. is that going for you so far? I'm enjoying it. You guys have great points. Okay, good to know. <laughs> I right. followed you with the hands power. to the side, you know what I mean? Like, it's a, like, flick. Yes, my, my <laughs> yes. favorite emoji. <laughs> ring ring power, Amanda. Yes. Um, what do you guys think about this whole Yogi Darby interaction during the classroom scene? It was like, whatever. Yeah, not for you. <laughs> nothing here, nothing there. It was just like another Yogi joke. Mm. It was fun. I feel like it was a good example, just like with Zay and Sarah. Yeah. Which I really enjoy them bringing in the classmates. Like Haley had a line, and mm. Yendra and Sarah and Darby and Yogi. You know, I really enjoyed that they gave. Because it's so often like, does anybody else in the class yeah. talk? Yeah. No, <laughs> so I, I really I agree with that. that. So yeah. um, I feel like just like with Zay and Sarah, you know, it's like, you know, Zay had like a legitimate, well, you didn't want to do it. And, yeah. and Yogi's like, well, I couldn't reach the beaker. Like those are really <laughs> sort of reasonable arguments. Yeah. But they had sort of swung on this pendulum of... I don't want to do anything to, I want to do everything. And if you don't let me do everything, you're an evil man. Mm. So they were sort of in that pendulum moment. Um, yeah. And that's sort of why, but yeah. I thought it was, you know, cute. I love them. Mm. I yeah, think they're adorable. I, I love the use of the, of the background people. And, and so all this culminates in the sacrificing of Yogi. And so this, did this work any better for you guys than it worked for me? Well, I like the rules callback because mm. I, I think I already pointed out, but I feel yeah. like there were a lot of rules parallels. And so with the adoop-a-doop or whatever, mm. <laughs> I can't do it. I'm it <laughs> chanting, apparently. I thought that was cute. I oh. just didn't really get it. Mm. I was like, why are, I don't, why are they doing this? Like, yeah. I didn't really get why the thing was bubbling and yeah. then... I just, it was weird. <laughs> Plot-wise, it just felt like stuck in there for the purpose of being stuck in there. Like, it didn't yeah. really connect to anything. But, with that said, I loved when Maya did, like, she raised her hands and, like, the Bunsen burners, like... Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh, Bunsen so burners! <laughs> Not a phrase I have heard since high school. Wow! <laughs> Bringing me back, Amanda! <laughs> I can't. No, so that Bunsen was funny, burners. but I just found it very, like, misplaced in it. It was just kind of like cutting off the conversation with Riley and Farkle. And even when, like, I think Riley came to a realization when they were sacrificing Yogi, but it it didn't connect to them. Like, it just didn't make sense to me. So this is my my interpretation. First of all, I don't don't like it. I don't like just this kind of over-the-top humor, personally. But I think what they're they're aiming for here is, oh, they're swinging too far in the opposite direction of where they started and thinking of men as the enemy and you know, becoming militant feminist kind of thing. And right. so then they have to pull it back to we're equals, let's work together. And okay. I think there are better That's ways fair. to have done that. <laughs> but, I think it was a pendulum thing. Like yeah. they were like, oh, we just wanted may have shoes. And then it's like, oh, we're going to sacrifice a boy. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So And then it's like, oh, there's somewhere in the middle, guys. <laughs> you know, per usual this season, like with Sense and Sensibility and with yeah. roles. And with but most, also most now things I'm thinking, like, like for Disney Channel, they kind of need big dramatic things like yeah. that for the sake of it being a Disney show. So I, I guess I can't be too hard. On yeah, it. yeah, not certainly. And I mean, obviously, that was their big push in the promo because that's the right. kind of thing that most Disney shows would have. You know, those Bunsen burners. That was some <laughs> awesome special effects. <laughs> All right, so getting more into, like, the specific lesson and sort of the twist of Mr. Norton setting up this silly experiment, because that was the thing. When, when the episode started and he set up this this project where one person basically does nothing and the other person does all the work, I was like, is this just going to be some weird Girl Meets World logic where this is how projects work? <laughs> and I was very happy that he had a bigger thing going on here. I thought he was a very sweet character. Uh, do you have anything you want to talk about with Mr. Norton? I liked him. I thought he was fine. I was glad to like see another teacher, another class in the school. Yeah. But what made his character or even his role throughout the episode for me was like that bit in the tag with Corey, like the school. Yeah. Whatever he said. Such a good tag. Yeah. That yeah. was like the like one of my favorite tags of the entire series. I think. Oh yeah. Two and that like made his character for me. It made his role in the episode because I just thought, okay, 
a lesson, yeah. a teacher, yeah. whatever. But that like it yeah. completely turned. Well, it and off I think me. I mean I don't want to Dan cover your ears, your <laughs> You can spoil a little bit. I think I he like. might be coming back. Oh, that's good. In graduation slash legacy slash we never know what it's going to be called <laughs> at that point. <laughs> Yeah. So, no, I, I, I liked it a lot. I think it's sort of, okay, my issue with STEM. Mm. Um, there's a lot of emphasis on STEM in terms of we're sort of falling behind other countries. And I'm going to yeah. sort of get on a little bit of a soapbox here because I work in the school system. And this was, you know, what am I going to do? I think that there's a lot of emphasis on it in the core curriculum and testing. And I agree, you know, science, technology, engineering, math, very, very important. Yeah. Um, science, specifically in STEM, is referring to natural and physical sciences, mm. not social sciences. Yeah. And what Mr. Norton specifically did was a social science experiment. Yeah. Yeah. And as a psychology, as a psychologist or, you know, social scientists are psychology, sociology, political science, um, where you study human behavior, that's very different and is not a part of STEM at all. Yeah. Um, so I sort of thought that was a little bit ironic that the message of the STEM episode was brought about by a non-STEM science experiment. Yeah. But that's probably something that only bothered me because I was specifically <laughs> educated in it. And I feel yeah. like a lot of these overemphasis of STEM sort of takes away from other professions that are mm. really important because I went to a small liberal arts college mm. and I think it's really important that, yeah, you have to have education in these careers, but it's also good to have communications classes and history classes to be and fair, all of these other classes. They had an entire episode about creativity where they like pooed on math and science. Yes, which and was literally filmed the week before. Really? That's hilarious. <laughs> uh, we'll get to that in the yeah. production order part. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so they did have the opposite, and, ob and obviously they kind of put the importance of, of history into every episode. Well, no, uh, I, I, I totally agree with that. I just think that, like, girls, you know, should be able to pursue i feel like a lot of times nowadays you see people that are like oh well you don't want to be a his a philosophy major yeah. or a this major because there's not you know jobs in that field and i think you know you shouldn't limit yourself so uh, that actually introduces one of the things that i thought was kind of iffy about the message which is there is a slight and i'm gonna say it's only semi message here of you're a bad feminist if you don't like stem uh, and I, I don't think that's what they're going for, obviously, but I think that you can walk away with that message that, like, you better like STEM if you're going to be, like, a good girl. And I don't know. It seems a little bit uh, – maybe I'm overreacting. I don't know. I can see that in Riley's interaction with Maya at the Bay window. Yeah. I can see that. Like, well, you have to like it. You don't have a choice. You know? Yeah, because what's wrong with what's wrong with Maya not liking that? I, I don't – I mean, and then she's like, you think I could be... Yeah, I, I can see that in that particular... Especially because she is into art. Like, she specifically is into art. So she doesn't, like, need to like science if she doesn't like science. I don't know. As you're talking about it, I'm, I'm trying to think of mm. my position on this. I don't know. Like, I don't think it was forced down our throat. And it's almost because, like, again, marrying it to belief. Like, at the end, Farco's like, maybe I believe in something. But Maya wasn't like... Now I'm a scientist, so yeah. I think that would have made it a lot worse, and I would have gotten that feeling from it. Yeah. Um, but I think I thought the message was a little clearer in terms of like, if you're interested in it, don't lose interest. Okay, and I think that that's certainly there. And I, I'm just, I guess, well, all I'm saying, I think that the general message of this episode is very positive. I just, yeah. I just want to make sure that you know to say that I don't want that message to be. I don't want anyone to take away the message of you're bad feminist if you're not into this stuff. You can be into mm -hmm. what you're into, you know. Try in, in school in general, but you know, <laughs> one might don't say fall asleep dream, in Lucas's hand like mine. Try do good. <laughs> yes, it's one, it's one of the three. <laughs> yeah. Do we want to talk any more about like the slug message specifically at the end there with the with the clear water versus the slug water and all that stuff? I mean, should we mention the whole people that are going to turn it into a shit moment? Like what the Farkle and Riley thing? Yeah, yeah I mean, it's want. already it's already happening. Yeah. Like, to me, it wasn't anything 
super romantic because they were sort of the point of the episode. It was Farkle learning a lesson and Riley learning a lesson and looking through the clear water. Mm. But, you know, of course, well, also, you know, people turn the, and the writers encourage it, turning the Lucas holding Maya's chin from Mm. crashing into the table as a romantic moment. Well, here's Um, the thing. I think... And maybe this is shipping biased, I'll admit that. I think that you can more legitimately say the Lucas and Maya thing because we know there's at least something potentially romantic there for sure because of Texas 2. There's at least a potential there for romance. We don't have anything for like concrete for Riley and Farkle yet. Yes, you can make that a shipping thing if you want to make it a shippy thing. I don't see it that way. I think but... that if you turn it almost like that moment where they're like, we're partners or yeah. I'm your friend. I want you to improve. And she yeah. says, yeah, I feel like almost if you turn it romantic, it takes away from the message of the episode about women and men being equal. Does that, is that biased? Because I don't like Riley and Farkle. Well, also, in what know. way would it take away? Well, then, well, just if you if you're like, oh, well, that's romantic, then it's like, well, that's not really the point. The yeah, point is yeah. that they're supposed to work together and that they're equals in science. Yeah. There's a that, deeper message here than just, oh, we right, like each other. Yeah, yeah, and if you turn that, you know, really sort of powerful moment about gender equality into they like each other, <laughs> like it sort of takes away from the message, in my opinion. I don't know, but I'm biased. And people know that now because I've <laughs> revealed my ships. <laughs> Amanda, um, you got anything you want to add? Amanda? Or... <laughs> yeah, well, I, I agree. Like, I didn't find it to be a romantic moment, but I also see it from, like, a writer's perspective of, like a writer who's writing a TV show. Like if they wanted to make Riley and Farkle a couple down the road because of that moment, they could. I agree. So yeah, that's the thing is like right now I don't find it romantic. I don't think they're going to be in a relationship anytime soon, but could they maybe that's not anyone's decision, but the writers and they put like when you write for TV, you have to put things in like that to keep your options open because that's That's why TV writing and not movie writing. There's no, Mm -hmm. you know, well, and I think that's so true because, like, you never know what's going to happen if an actor, you know, decides to leave the show and all this. You know, you have to kind of put in little things along the way. Yeah. And honestly, so sometimes you have to test the chemistry. The makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And honestly, a lot of the stuff that people pointed at for Lucas and Maya in season one could easily be what you're saying here, mm-hmm. which is just we're leaving our options open. This could just be a friend thing if we decide we want to do that. Or if not, you know, this is here for us to play with. And so, yeah, no, I, I, again, I totally think it could be a shit moment. I don't mm-hmm. see it that way now, but who knows if we'll see flashbacks to this years from now. They're like, see, they've always been oh, in love. Oh, yeah. They had that <laughs> moment where she was like, okay. <laughs> and yeah. again, it's not to say that the writers are indecisive or don't mm-hmm. have a plan, but they're, yeah. they're planting seeds. It's about planting little seeds yeah. along the way, whether you pick up on them or not. You go back to them later. And this is something I yeah. learned on How I Met Your Mother. Mm. We're not going to talk gonna go about that. that another time. I, could... <laughs> I do we have, think we it... have issues with that. Yes, I'm, I'm I'm on board with you guys there. But I do want to say that I think in television in general, people get a little too hung up on the writers need to have a plan for everything every step of the way from the right. very beginning, and that's just not how television works. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes. Exactly my point. Sometimes you bring in a guest star and they're so good that they become a main character. Sometimes someone's mother gets sick and they have to leave for, you know, like sometimes, well, like, ju- sometimes yeah. Uriah gets in an accident. Well, you and know, it's like, like on Friends, yeah. you know, did they anticipate Chandler and Monica getting married? You know, like, mm. spoiler alert, sorry guys. <laughs> um, but no, I think it's true. You, it, It's a balancing act between you want to be organic and true to the characters and true to the chemistry, but you also don't want to do something just because of fan service. Exactly. So, so we're just going to leave that where it is now and see where they yeah. go with it. Uh, so the only last thing I want to say as far as lesson-wise that sort of slightly bothered me but not a huge deal is I kind of felt like they almost owed the boys an apology at the end there. I know that might be controversial to say that, but as, again, I just don't think the boys meant to do anything wrong and the girls reacted pretty strongly towards them. And I Amanda, kinda... I think we should pick up Dan and cover him with cheese and say, Cheesy Dan! <laughs> Just kidding. No, no Dan sacrifice to me. Thank you. Uh, do you. Do you think I'm crazy? Um. So, I'm sorry, you said 
that they the, didn't apologize to them at the end? That's what I, you're saying? I think I would have been nice. I think that they kind of tried to s- slip that in there just between Maya and Riley, with Riley mm-hmm. saying our guy friends are good or whatever. But it almost felt like that there should have been a, like, and I'm sorry, I know you didn't mean anything, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. No, I agree, because I, I totally agree with everything. Like, they didn't mean anything by it. So, mm. yeah, I, I think an apology could have worked. I didn't feel like it was missing it, though. Okay. Shall we go to the Ava plotline? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so we I'm get excited this... <laughs> about this one. I don't know if you guys know this, if listeners know this. I am so obsessed with Augie. I know you guys had problems with him. She loves Augie. But I literally... I. I can't. I love him so much, and honestly, like, I would watch episodes just to see how cute he was. Like, <laughs> I love him. He's adorable. He's an amazing actor. I am yeah. on your. This. I am on your Augie ship for this episode. <laughs> I'm. I ship it. Amanda Augie. Let's go. Uh, Amanda retweets me sometimes. So like, uh, they're uh, the sweetest. Oh my gosh. I, I so do want to clarify. I never had an issue with him. I think yeah. he's great. I just wasn't a huge fan of the the plots they were writing for him. Same thing with here with Ava. Is I yeah. I had issues with Ava, but they wrote an interesting commentary about things that I find interesting, and therefore I didn't hate this plot line. Uh, you know, it's... I, I thought that there was a lot of interesting stuff here with uh, especially Augie being like, did you see the goal I let in, but I didn't... Uh, you know, I still had a great attitude, and uh, a score is just a number that makes our team feel bad, or like... <laughs> yeah, the very best Augie line of the entire episode was participants. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, wait, because, you know, that's a big issue that's mm. very controversial, like mm. participant trophies. And yeah. if you should award somebody for something, even if they don't necessarily earn it. And so yeah. just the way he said that, like, even mm-hmm. when Amanda messaged me, she's like, oh my gosh, Augie, I love him so much. <laughs> I was like, pah. <laughs> <laughs> I really like the way he said, I, I, I believe you're being insincere. The way he said that was great, too. I can't. Yeah. He also makes, like, the, like, comedically, like, he makes really funny faces. Like, when he mm-hmm. screams in the back, like, mm-hmm. he turned around and screamed when Ava was about to chase after him. Yeah. I really love this. And I love that they made it about the participant trophy thing, because after seeing the promo photos, like, there was a picture of Ava biting the trophy head. Mm. So... I thought that maybe it was like a man trophy and like uh, she was a girl oh, and playing she, yeah. soccer. Mm-hmm. And I like the participant thing better. Like I think that would have worked with the episode. Yeah. It would have been a little too yeah. much maybe, but mm. I love well, like, that she was the girl. Participants and kids, you know, like. Well, and I think also bringing losers. in, it was a good use of Topanga, you know, yeah. like because she's so competitive. We saw that in game night, which is one of my favorite episodes. You know how she's so competitive, and she's like, "Yep, you were definitely there. Mm. You participated." Oh my god! And she you drinks know, the orange juice. I feel like, I yeah, <laughs> that was, I was great. Like, yeah. I feel like that would be my dad. If I was like, <laughs> "I got a participation trophy," I feel like my dad would be like, "You were there." Yeah, you, know, you can <laughs> tell she's like trying to be a good mom and like yeah. be supportive. <laughs> and at the same time, I think you know if you look at season one, Topanga, she's so sort of zen and sort of harmony with the world i can almost see her saying what the coach said about you know points just being something that makes a number that makes the other Mm. team feel bad i can see season one topanga saying that but then like later on like seasons two through seven topanga was definitely totally represented Mm. Yeah, and I also like the fact that he was on Ava's side for once. We didn't, I don't need, I, I mean, we've had so many episodes now of her and Ava at odds. It's good to have something different, and so I was definitely on board with that. Also, the fact that they, they actually are making some solid points here about the fact that Augie, once having the trophy, doesn't think he needs to try anymore because he right. already got the trophy. And so, like, that's a pretty valid points to be making about this issue. Well, and I think I, at first, I, I didn't know how I felt about this. I was like, oh my gosh, Dan. I was like, I don't know how I feel about the Ava Augie storyline. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. I guess I was really tired when I watched it the first time. Because when I rewatched it today, and she's like, what kind of a world are we living in? <laughs> yeah. I was like, that is literally my parents. Yeah. Like, that is a good segment of the population yeah. that has that reaction every yeah. time participation trophies are given out and so the fact that the writers are giving that a voice in the form of this little adorable girl who also 
uses that to inspire him, which I think is really mm. nice because I've sort of had issues with Ava's character because she's very sort of disrespectful to Topanga. And I yeah. was raised, you know, I'm obviously Southern. You hear the accent. Um, I was raised in like a, you know, you defer to the elders and you're never disrespectful. Yes, ma- yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Blah, blah, mm. blah. Etiquette classes. You can watch the video. <laughs> um, and so I all along, I'm like, oh, my gosh, Ava. <laughs> like this girl. If I were Topanga, I would just be like, heck, no, you're not hanging out with her. But the fact that she used her I guess strength to inspire him and really challenged him and Topanga could appreciate that yeah. I really sort of appreciated for the first time they sort of alluded to it in game night when Topanga was like you're finishing this game I finally like you yeah I, I really sort of for the first time was like oh Ava all right we're yeah. cool <laughs> yeah. like ever <laughs> so when you uh when you mentioned earlier, Amanda, about the the trophy potentially being like a male trophy or whatever, it reminded mm-hmm. me of this story from my life. So, and when I graduated from eighth grade, uh, there was this award called the Principal's Award, and one girl got it and one boy got it, and uh, I got the boy one, and then I was so I was taking a picture with the girl who got the girl one, and we looked at our trophies, and mine was twice the size as hers, wow. and it was the same award, and I was like. This is, like, so crazy. Like, it makes literally no sense <laughs> that we got the same thing and the girl got the smaller one. It was ridiculous. What kind of a country are you living <laughs> in? I feel, like, I feel like Ava and I have this new connection that we didn't have before. But I love, I love that at the end, she really, she taught him to try, which yeah. is adorable. And you know how she's dirty and he's dirty because his uniform was so clean. Yeah. And then she's like, you know, I gave him a hug every time he made one. And I pushed him in the mud yeah. every time he did. I thought that was just so yeah. sweet. And I've never been an Augie Ava fan before. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I have this new ship. I have to just, <laughs> like, start, like, reading fan fiction on or something. I think they're adorable. I thought that Augie was interesting and in that he was... I felt like a very Corey plot line, too, of, like, oh, I'm not good at anything. I might as well give up on this to, de- to a degree. Uh, so I kind of liked that connection, too. Yeah, wasn't there a Boy Meets World episode? He was on the the second string or whatever. Mm-hmm, the B-team of life or whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is that the wrestling one? And then he has to, like, wrestle a professional nah, wrestler? No, I'm talking about the basketball one in oh, season one. Oh, I get yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so a couple of extra this like funny moments I wanted to talk about. So we do you have anything you guys want to say about the Lucas Maya stuff? Their interactions, uh, both with Maya's lines about not wanting to drop the marble, and then also the padding to sit down stuff. Okay, well, it, was it just me or like in the very beginning, like mm. did he look? Like, I don't know. There's something about his face. Like when they first sat down at the desk, I don't know if he looked annoyed or frustrated or. I get, I get that this was after creativity, but mm. I don't know. There was just something about it that seemed kind of weird to me. But again, hmm. I'm biased. I did not see anything. There we go. <laughs> it was just them like sitting in their seats. Yeah. But I, I think the padding thing was, was like super similar, cute. There was like a similar pause of them sitting in their seats. And like, I think it was the last episode, but mm. anyway trying to think of other it I sort love of the padding of Corey and Topanga like how she, they kind of had that like weird sort of like huh moment mm. with each other I guess yeah. well here's the thing I don't actually I don't think of any of these moments as romantic moments like I right. like I like their interactions but I don't think of them as romantic moments I just think of them as they would have been nice build up of, of them as in, as humans that interact prior to Texas you know exactly yeah. like we're finally seeing out of the four, like, not just Riley and Maya talking to each other. It's yeah. Like different combinations of people talking and seeing their chemistry together. And that's what really bothered me that Texas came before this, because I think yeah. it would have been a great build-up to Texas. Not that it's necessarily yeah. romantic of, like, all the other, you know, Lucaya moments, mm. if you will, but it makes more sense leading up to that. Yeah. Well, and I that's exactly how I felt after belief. Yeah. You know, I you like the that. fact that in belief you had all the combinations yeah. of the four. And yeah. I was like, that is what 
kept me from like when Texas happened, like, you know, like they hadn't even really even talked. So, but Mm. this sort of connection, even the physical connection, like holding her chin, Mm. you know, it makes Texas make a lot more sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We also have the moment of Maya dropping it like a dude and doing the whole basketball thing. Uh, I thought that was, that was a cute moment, especially with Riley getting freaked out. She yeah. said a line about, and there's like a tall goose in the way, and mm. I thought that was so funny. I like <laughs> had to rewind it and watch it. I was like, wait, that was about Riley, right? Like, I don't know. I it was so funny. That is. I totally funny. missed that. It was that. just like a good acting moment for yeah. her. It was like a one of those quick jokes mm. that like if you pick up on, and it's really funny and like her little color commentary. But I yeah. don't know. She had really good aim, too. Yeah. I would not have made that. <laughs> well, I can't remember how it was edited. Was it edited so she didn't actually have to make that shot? or did, No, she it... made it. Oh, like, nice. She, like, That's from great. across the room, it was, like, oh, wow. sunk <laughs> nice. into that beaker. <laughs> I enjoyed Represent Brenda with the return of Back of the Class Brenda. We haven't seen since yes. the pilot, right? No, no Brenda, we saw Brenda her in... was back. Was it Gravity? Oh, um, did we? Oh, no, Zay came, and he's like, I'm usually a back-of-the-class person, uh, so that yeah. would have been okay. Secret of Life. Secret, yeah, of life. Yeah. Okay. Secret of Life, Mark, <laughs> one of my favorite writers mm. who likes to tweet me. <laughs> um, he brought back back-of-the-class <laughs> so I got to give him props for that. But, no, I love how she's like, represent, Brenda. Yeah, that was great. Well, and honestly, like, I – the whole social experiment was very sort of girls versus boys, but, like – I don't know. I was a little bit of a nerd in high school. I feel like I'm, you know, comfortable enough to say that. So, like, if I was paired with a guy in a science project, he totally would have given me the work to do. Yeah, yeah. I would have been Brenda. They made an important... I mean, they at least threw in the line, I think that Mr. Norton said something like, usually this is what happens. The vast majority of the time, I think is, like, what he said. Because that's the thing, like, I, like... I was in a robotics club in high school because I was super cool, and uh, it was mostly girls. That sounds awesome. Mm. Yeah, it was, like, a lot of girls. So, like, I know a lot of women that love STEM and would totally have taken over. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Is that in any way problematic that they're acting like the usual thing is for that? I mean, I guess that technically is true, right? I mean, but, but, you know, statistically, yeah, Yeah. it's true that even though the majority of college graduates are women, you know, only 30% go into STEM fields. So, like, I I understand that. I guess I'm coming from being a high school geek biased. And I do remember there were some girls that, and I remember in, like, fifth grade, there were a bunch of girls that were in, like, the advanced math track or whatever, that when we went to middle school, they became popular and, like, totally backed off and pretended they were stupid. Well, and studies have shown that women actually perform better mm. in higher-level science and math classes than boys do. They just don't pursue them actively because of stereotypes. Yeah. So they have all of the abilities and the skills, if not more so than men, to do it. Um, they just don't yeah all right so i guess we're, we're close to wrapping up here are there any other big points you guys want to make about this episode big points um i guess i mean in terms of the humor again like i was pretty hard on farkle mm. on this episode but he had his really funny moments too like i loved the whole dance into science class like it was so farkle yeah. loved it they're not trying to make him too cool now that he dresses differently like love that and I already mentioned I love the scene where he passed out and then Riley's kind of rambling above him. Mm. Um, so I did think he had, like, really, you know, funny moments in this episode. Um, again, like, I think as a cast, they're really coming into their characters. Like, you see a lot more consistencies with them. Yeah. And they're very believable characters and they're not overacting, which was kind of my issue with season one. So I yeah. think looking back, like, they really have come so far. They're so believable. Yep. And something that made Riley even more believable for me was, like, honestly watching Invisible Sister because I saw mm. Rowan in this completely different role. So it made me realize, like, uh-huh. what creative decisions, like, she was making for yeah. Riley. So that almost gave me a new perspective to Riley, too. But, again, like, I think the acting was good. I had no issues with it whatsoever. And I really did love the episode. It had its issues. But as Nan said earlier, like, I think this, like, any other episode like this would be an excellent, like, standard, regular episode yeah, of Girl Meets yeah. World, so. 
Definitely. I think um, for me, I think they did a really good job walking the line with Farkle of being like arrogant, I'm better than you versus, you know, I'm super loyal Farkle friend. Like um, mm. the fact that he was like, they balanced the humor really well with the, how long have I been out? Or what mm. makes you say that, Mamacita? Yeah. Um, I think that they did that and they balanced it and then they had him learn the lesson really quickly. And he yeah. never challenged the lesson, which I thought was good. If he was like, wait, no, but I am better than you and yeah. I'm a man. You know, like the fact that he really quickly was like, oh, wow, you're right. You know, I think that that made sort of the arrogance yeah. of the, but I'm a scientist. You know, I think that sort of balanced that out really well. I think you are right, though, Amanda, that they keep making him the bad guy in these big episodes, and I really think it's time to have Lucas be the bad guy, even just for the beginning of an episode. Obviously, he'll learn his lesson and apologize or whatever, but its I feel like we are due for that. Well, and that was something, you know, There were the, the spoiler had come out. I know you don't like spoilers. <laughs> but, like, who did she call a sexist pig? Yeah. You know, because, like, some people had said that she called Farkle a sexist pig, and some people had said Lucas. And, mm. you know, you could sort of going in, you could have seen it go either way. But it ended yeah. up being Farkle. Um, I guess the only other thing I realized we hadn't really mentioned at all is the whole Battle of Panapad or whatever. Does anybody know about this? Because I, I forgot to look it up. I did. Mm-hmm. Because I'm man. Good. <laughs> and it is um, basically there are three battles and it's a, a region in India and they were in the 16th and 18th centuries. And basically they were just really tur- like turning points in the history of India. Nothing sort of beyond that that I could on my Wikipedia cursory knowledge. <laughs> I have a lot of varied interests. I was an art history minor and all this stuff, but the history of <laughs> India is not one of <laughs> my thousands of things I geek out over. <laughs> but it, I'm adding it to my list. And so I will it, be... So it doesn't really connect with the lesson. That's interesting. Well, I mean, it, it, it's a battle, and it determined the identity of a country. Okay, all right. All right. Well, so as we sort of wrap up, uh, I know you, I I know at least Nan, I don't know if Amanda, you had feelings about this too, but Nan kind of wanted to talk maybe a little bit more about the episode order craziness and how it's been affecting her viewing of the show. Um, It's definitely affecting my viewing of the show. Like I am really looking forward to getting a list of the production order and Mm. then like watching it in the production order. I have one. Can you tweet that to me? <laughs> I will. I will DM. I will DM one to you. I actually wrote yeah. it down before tonight. Yeah, s- send it to me too. I will. Yeah. And that's another thing with TV writing, and even more specifically Disney writing, is each. You know, this is a huge debate, and it's like, is TV meant to be episodic or like arcs are important, but yeah. episodes should be able to stand on their own. But when you put episodes, like when there are these big arcs, like some things are important in a certain order and make for the episodes to be that much better. Well, and oftentimes things are, have a later production code. Like for example, Girl Meets New World was filmed later than some of the other episodes from the premiere week, just because I think director availability, Um, but it was literally filmed to be the second episode of the season. Mm. So are we supposed to go by episode number and, or are we supposed to go by production order number? And mm. we don't necessarily have a guide to that. Well, because yeah, the other issue here is that, like, so I've been trying to not have this affect my grading, right? Like, I'm mm-hmm. not, I didn't really want to, like, hold either Forgiveness Project or Belief or whatever, you know, accountable for this whole fiasco. On the flip side, if maybe some of these things had come earlier, maybe I would have graded some other things better because they would have had right. buildup. Exactly. And so I can't retroactively fix that, but like, yeah, it's, it is difficult. It definitely hurts in enjoyment because I actually think that, I think that Forgiveness Project, Belief, and STEM are all just very solid episodes that mm-hmm. have all this, this gross stigma around them because of this insanity of how they're ordering things. And So would you, would you like me to sort of name the 
production order real quick. Sure. So we start, like, once they were back from their break where they filmed their um, decoms, there Mm. was New Teacher, Belief, Yearbook, Mm. and World of Terror 2, which is sort of its own thing. Um, So Yearbook, Semi-Formal, I Am Farkle, Creativity, STEM, which STEM would have made so much sense after Creativity. Mm. Like, the little, like, awkwardness I saw with Luca and Maya would have made sense. I don't know, whatever. Yeah. Tangent. Uh, then Corey and Topanga, which also had that. And then Forgiveness, Ra Ra, Riley Town, Texas, Money. Wasn't so, one of them in between Texas? Like, wasn't three? Well, Money Money was technically filmed in between Texas 2 and 3. But in right. Texas 3, Riley says, we just got back. Yeah. And so, and in Money, they're wearing heavy winter clothes. Mm. Whereas Texas 3 is set in a fall thing that's that's a big issue i have with the production order is that they set the texas three to be in the fall based on the decor and you know decorations they did things quick question is money after new year's or is new year's before which goes where which goes where oh sorry yeah um sorry money was like last uh, New Year's second was um, the second to last one filmed, actually. Okay. But, but like, as far as how we're probably, if you think about it, common sense ordering, will money come after New Year's? I think in money, similar to all these other episodes, we're supposed to disregard the arc, okay. which is the issue I have, you yeah. know, because I, I don't mind. I can do it. Like, I can disregard the arc. I can disregard New Year's and the cliffhanger yeah. and all of that stuff. I just don't want to have to. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. So, even if you look back at how they handled Boy Meets World, right? Season 2, if you walked it critically, and if I was doing a podcast every episode of Season 2 of Boy Meets World, there would be an issue there, too, because they're building up Topanga and Corey, and then Topanga's gone for, like, six episodes. Then they build yeah. up Topanga and Corey. And, and then we can... have Wendy. Yeah. But on, on the flip side of that, <laughs> My though... Favorite. Like, that was much more just, like, a minor sort of background arc, honestly. It's not it's not built up as this dramatic, epic thing which would realistically affect every scene that everyone's in. And, it, like, that even, you know, even in Boy Meets World, it was an issue, but the, the arcs were so minimal that it didn't well, have the same kind of impact. And at a certain point, you can't necessarily just blame Disney because mm. they knew writing these episodes that, oh, well, Texas was going to take place in the fall. New Year's was going to take place, obviously, in December or January. And then the one would be the season finale. So they knew there'd be these multiple episodes in between, but they were written to, for us to disregard. Yeah. The other well, ones. especially because if you're how, how weird is it that you're saying, you know, what is it, 30 episodes this season? And you're saying the f- third, like the first 29 happen from September to December, and then we have one episode that's the end of the school year? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I just think it's sort of, un- <laughs> especially like if you have fans that are watching on Netflix or, yeah. you know, binging to sort of they don't necessarily follow the writer's tweets. And so the writers tweeted, Hey, disregard the triangle. It, you know, it started in Texas. It's going to happen in new year's. It's going to happen in legacy. You know, all the other episodes, just forget about it. Like they don't necessarily get that message. Yeah. That's too bad. I mean, I I hope it doesn't affect people's viewing of it too much. Because I do think, aside from these issues, Season 2 has been pretty strong and a lot better than Season 1. And so the fact that something as silly as episode order and production or, you know, like, is affecting things so strongly is kind of a bummer. Amanda, what do you think? Because I feel like I'm being overly critical. And you know I love how much I love the show. (laughs) I know that it's a Disney show and that you know, how much can you blame Disney? I'm not blaming Disney. I'm just saying, like, they need to be able to put this on repeat, like, three times a day, multiple times a day. So yeah. maybe magically these are going to end up in the right order, like, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I don't know. Like, I thought back to, like, semi-formal, and I was thinking, holy continuity, like, the five months, ten months, like, there's winter yeah. in the middle, so New Year's should have happened then. And then Charlie... Technically, like, two years have gone. <laughs> I didn't yeah. even think of that. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Right. Um, I'm actually also on 4% battery, so Uh-oh. I might leave any second. So 
Um, I don't know if you wanted to. Yeah. Do you want to close it up just so I could. Say yeah, bye, yeah. But I don't want to lose you guys. No, well, yeah, no. So at least say, tell us uh, about what you you've been doing on your BuzzFeed to just to promote that more, and then you can say bye, and we'll finish it out. Sure. So um, I pretty much created a Girl Meets World fan account to in- interact with Girl Meets World fans. Obviously, I'm 25, and <laughs> um, I don't have a lot of friends that watch You're it, a baby. so I love being a part of the fandom and talking to you guys, talking to the fans, and I thought BuzzFeed was like a different outlet for that, so mm. I love creating articles for it. They don't come out that regularly, but I, you know, I take a lot of time to write them. I still have a full-time job and whatnot, but mm. feel free to follow me on Twitter at GMWBuzz. Check out some of my BuzzFeed articles. The most recent one was what what we want to see in season three. So I had Dan and Nan, a few other people. We talked about what we want to see next season. Um, some things I didn't necessarily include because I thought we might see it this season, but mm. um, that's my most recent one. Another one I'm really proud of are the life lessons we've learned from Girl Meets World. Mm. But anyway, feel free to check that out. Tweet me if you have any Girl Meets World stuff. I'd love to read it, watch it, whatever. I love you know <laughs> interacting with everyone. So Well, thank you so much for being on. And those are some great articles. So yeah, you guys should definitely check those out. Thank you so much, guys, and so thanks bad. again for having me, Dan. I'll talk to you guys soon. All right, bye. Bye. All right, so I'm saving mail time for the future, potentially with Keith and Caitlin, but if you guys have thoughts on this episode or anything in general, you can send us an email at gmwpodcast at gmail.com. That's also a great place to send submissions for guest blogs there. We're actually about to have a fun guest blog from Gemma at Backstreet Gem on Twitter uh, about how Girl Meets World should tackle Mr. Feeney. So if you have comments about that and uh, basically what whether they should retire the character or not, um, you can send that to Gemma there. Um, and also, if you want to follow us on Twitter, that's at GMW Podcast. Uh, that would be great if you could follow us there or leave us an iTunes rating or review. That would be very swell of you. It's been a while since we got one. It would make me very happy. And gmwpodcast.com. Check out our YouTube when we eventually saw some YouTubes again. Uh, yeah. And uh, Nan, do you want to promote your stuff? Yeah. Um, I did a guest blog for the website a couple months ago. There's only one Corey and Topanga. And then I co-did one with Gemma for World Mental Health Day and um, a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. Gosh. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so, um, and I, she, she emailed me about the Feeny thing and mm. I just, I don't even know how to tackle that. Yeah, so yeah. I need to like process my feelings <laughs> yeah. about coming to a Feeny conclusion because I don't think I can contribute anything meaningful mm. right now. It's too <laughs> difficult to think about. Yeah. Um, I'll just so say that that actually reminds me because I haven't given her my thoughts. I totally I know, forgot about that. It's but... so hard. <laughs> I don't want to think about it. I mean, my it's main thought a... is that my main thought is that I think it needs to be done because I would hate to live in a world where the actual actor passes away before they did something. He's uh, going to live forever, Dan. <laughs> he's William Daniels. And he's married to the dean in real life. I know. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I just, I, it, it's really emotional to think about yeah. um, because I want him to have reunions. Like yeah. Pluto is my favorite episode mm. in the entire series. Great episode, yeah. Um, similar to Caitlin. And so <laughs> I, there's no way I – Anyway, so I, I, will, I will approach that later. Okay, so on Twitter, I am Nan from Florida um, because I'm from Florida. Really? I sound more Southern than a lot of Floridians do because I'm sort of from South Carolina. But on Twitter, I'm Nan from Florida. So um, you may hear my opinions about the Feeny thing in Gemma's blog if I can turn them into a coherent sentence. Yeah. All right, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, you and I, Nan, we'll we're, we'll go back and forth to the dream. Try to do good because we don't have Amanda. So thank you guys so much for listening. And as always, dream, try, do good. Class dismissed. Nice, you got to do class. Dismissed. I got to do class dismissed. <laughs> That's so exciting. All right, bye guys. Bye.